0: Hey guys, it's Lauren Yates here, celebrity interviewer, entertainment reporter, and the host of this podcast, Rave It Up Celebrity News, Reviews, and Interviews. If this is the first time you're listening, go check out our show's trailer on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to learn more about us. And make sure to follow us on social media to tell us what else you would like to hear from this podcast. We are under Rave It Up TV on Instagram. Rave It Up show on Facebook and our website is raveituptv.com. Now today we have a chat over Zoom with Australian jazz musician and trumpeter James Morrison. He has just finished a tour around Australia for his 60th birthday. And today we have a talk to him about how he got started in jazz music and about all of the amazing opportunities he has had over his career, like performing for the Queen and performing at the White House, and having played and performed with artists like Ray Charles, B.B. King, Whitney Houston, and Frank Sinatra, so many others too. There's so much for us to cover today, so let's get into it now. Before we get into today's interview, we would like to give a shout out to our Patreons, Irene, Bev, and Michael. If you haven't heard of Patreon before, it is a great way to support us and keep us running and improving. You pick a membership tier that suits you and your budget per month, and in return for supporting us, we'll give you behind the scenes content and free stuff. You don't have to give much either, you can be a part of our Patreons for as little as $4 a month. Just visit patreon.com forward slash rave it up. You can even donate through PayPal if you don't trust other sites. You can do so just through our email, rave at gmail.com. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to contact us. We appreciate anything you can do to support us. Now, let's get into this interview. Three, two, one. Do this. Rave it up.
1: Hey guys, it's RJ May from Breaking Bad I'm Adam
0: Stavani from Step it's Up Keegan
1: Allen from Pretty Little Liars Hi, this is
0: Arthur Butcher it's Cosentino It's Rob Mills it's Todd McKenney with Lauren Yates on Rave It Up We're raving it up brave I'm it up. having fun <laughs> Hashtag Lauren Rave It Up Actually, <laughs> <oops. clears throat> We're ra- Sorry Thank you, I like that I effect heard raving. <laughs> We're raving it up James Welcome to Rave It Up. It is a pleasure to have you on our show. How are you going today? Thank you. It's great to be here. (laughs) Oh, it's so fun. I I was just thinking that I've been trying to get you on for quite some time now. And I don't know if your lovely brother, John, has said that he's been on our show back in, I think, 2014. It was so long ago now. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Yeah. And even though your lovely family friend, uh, Carl Risley as well, he's been on yes. in 2013 and 14. So I think we, we've we spoken about you got you a lot. So I think it's now time to get your side of the story on things, yeah? Okay, great. <laughs> but since this is your first time on our show, James, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. And if it's okay, start from the beginning to get That's a right. good idea of how you've made it to where you are today. Yeah. So you were born in, and sorry if I pronounce this wrong, is it Bur- Burowa or Burowa. Burowa. Brewer. okay, Ottawa
1: in western New South Wales yeah, a yeah. very small town <laughs>
0: a rural farming community for our yep. audience yes. what is it like being from such a small country town like that especially now that you travel the world and always in capital cities
1: yeah well it's very different I mean we left there I came to the, um Sydney I was just turning seven so you know the first first that part of my life was living in the country and um yeah it's it's uh, it's kind of nice to to know that you know home is somewhere like that um, or the beginnings are there, but there were no brass instruments there at the time. I'd never seen one when we moved uh, to Sydney when I was seven. The first time I even saw those sort of instruments. The only instruments I'd ever heard was Mum playing the piano um, at home and the organ in church that was it
0: yeah because i did i did read you too. your father was a methodist minister so yes. is that kind of where you found your love for music just growing up in the church
1: yeah yeah pretty much and when we moved to uh, to sydney as luck would have it or fate um the the local church we went to uh in pitwater in the north of sydney um was an unusual one it had a band and, and the minister played the trombone and they played the blues and they played jazz you know gospel uh blues and jazz so that was um, obviously meant to be.
0: And were you like, what is this sound? <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. I said, oh, yeah, I want to do that for sure.
0: Yeah. Is there any other music genres that you really love that we might be surprised at too?
1: I don't know if you'd be surprised. Look, I I like most, um, you know, I listened to a lot of classical music growing up and I still do, um, and I, I love that. But I, I love, I like what Louis Armstrong um, said when they asked him you know, do, do you do you like rock and he went you no know, and they said well look is it, it what we mean is is it good or is it bad music he said oh there's no such thing as good and bad music just good and bad musicians
0: oh i like that
1: <laughs> yeah and it's true i mean i've yeah. heard great you know german polka bands and um, and i'm not particularly into polkas and i've heard bad jazz and i'm really into jazz so you know it's it's about the people playing and it's not even their level of musicianship and skill that's always great to have. I find it's always the motivation behind the playing is why are you playing it right now? If you're playing because you've got this feeling you want to share and you've got enough skill to share it, then it's, it's going to engage me. But if you're playing because um, you're being paid or because you have to or for you know some other reason, it almost doesn't matter how well you can play it very quickly becomes unsatisfying and i'm, and I'm not into it so yeah i i i don't kind of you know cordon it off into into genres to what i like mm. um certainly when it comes time for me to play i've mainly played jazz and classical music
0: yeah. but i've guessed it
1: on a lot of pop albums too there are trumpet solos and flugelhorn solos and things all over things from in excess to uh um um some more recent things i've done you know getting together with people and they say let's do a collaboration and you you play something and um it's really exciting sometimes getting into areas you wouldn't normally get into
0: yeah yeah definitely want to talk more about the in thing a bit later on too and some of the other amazing people you've worked with but i completely understand you've got to have that passion behind it don't you otherwise yes. it's just it can get a little bit boring to yeah. watch <laughs> oh. oh he's we'll popular turn today. that off well, I, when I was doing my research on you too, besides the trumpet, you know, people might be surprised that you also play trombone, piano, saxophone, and double bass, and I'm probably sure there's some more there too. Why the trumpet, though, as your main instrument? What made you fall in love with that the most?
1: Um, the trumpet. Well, you know, it's it's an instrument that um, it's loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's very um, extroverted, so it's the one people notice and you know by your question it, it's 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 shows what 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 happens people assume old trumpets the one you love the most the one it's actually not. Oh, um, it's just the one that I get known for the most the people see the most It's not that I love another one more I don't love any of them, particularly any more than any other they're all tools. Um, One of the analogies I use when people say uh, about being a multi-instrumentalist, oh my goodness, how do you switch from the trumpet to the saxophone and why did you decide to do that? And I sort of say, you're thinking I'm a trumpet player. Mm -hmm. I've never thought of myself as a trumpeter or a saxophonist or a pianist. And this is the analogy I use. If you saw someone with a hammer putting nails into some wood that's on a house, you'd call him builder. You wouldn't say he's a hammerer. (laughs) <laughs> and if you saw someone with the saw, then you wouldn't say, oh, she's a sawer. You'd go, no, she's a builder. That's mm-hmm. just the tool she's currently using. I'm a musician. I make music. Holding a trumpet or a saxophone or sitting at a piano just happens to be the tool I'm using at the time to do it. Because I think like that, um, that's why I don't have a favorite one or one that I love the most. You know, you might say, I really I really love playing the trombone, it's, it's wonderful, but for different reasons than I love playing the piano. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, and that's what allows me to be a multi-instrumentalist too. I think that's a strange term in a way I, i'm not silly i understand that people mainly play one instrument and there is such a thing but to me that's like looking at every builder and going wow they're multi-skilled they are we just don't think of that they build houses
0: there's so many instruments out there it keeps it fresh and exciting for you you know yes, you yes. Never get bored. It,
1: it means when you come to a certain song and you go oh i'd love to hear that with this sound you go well i've got one of those yeah and, and, and i play. know how to
0: do it yeah. <laughs> Did you know we filmed this interview? Well, come on over to our YouTube channel, Rave It Up TV. You can subscribe for free. And here's a little secret. We like to reward our active subscribers with autographed photos and merchandise, no matter where you are in the world. So don't forget to give us a thumbs up while you're there and get busy sharing the videos with your friends. Have you always wanted to learn how to dance? Always say you're going to do it, maybe even make it a New Year's resolution? but never do. Well, this is your time. Hills Latin Dancing teaches salsa, bachata and merengue classes for all ages and fitness levels. No partner or previous dance experience is required. If you don't live in Sydney, that is okay too. We teach private lessons over Zoom for only $50. We also offer wedding dances and also a seated dance class for the elderly and those with mobility challenges. Come join us for some fun. Visit our website, hillslatindancing.com.au for more information and to book your class now. But I was also looking at the, the ages that you started learning some of these instruments, like piano at six years old, You took up the brass uh, at seven or nine, you formed your first band and at 13, you played professionally in nightclubs. Yeah. Your debut in the US was when you were only 16. Mm. It's so young. Are you really grateful that you got to start off so young or do you feel like it took away a bit of your childhood?
1: Oh, no, no, I had no interest in a childhood. And (laughs) And in the other way, I'm still having my childhood. I never did grow up. So, kids, uh, yeah. in many ways but no no I, I always had a feeling that there was very little time mm-hmm. and I didn't mean that I was going to die early I meant if I live to a hundred that's little time for what I want to do I've always wanted to do so much I've said no time to waste so you know start playing now take up you're going to play the saxophone don't say when I want to get to high school I'll take up the saxophone do it now and then start a band now and then start working in nightclubs now at 13 and then you know, if I, I need to get on the road. That's what musicians do. So by 16, I was out on the road and just um, basically you always had that feeling. Not of, no, it's not, not stress or urgency or panic. It's more, this is awesome. Let's do it now.
0: Mm, like, my, what are we waiting for? Mm. And I've always
1: felt like that. So um, yeah, that, you know, a whole lot of things doing, happened pretty early.
0: Getting on the road so young.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great. It's yeah. great. And I also never stopped to think, is that reasonable? Like people go well is that reasonable it doesn't come up and also the other one is people go well will that work would you be able to how would you get on the road 16 never occurs to me how something's going to happen i find you will need to work that out but you work it out while you're doing it i've always found um i'll give you a quick example if i had an idea in my head oh i'd like to have a salsa band the normal procedure would be to write some music for the band book some players get them together have a rehearsal create a salsa band and then go and get some work for it. Mm. That'll never happen with me. I'll just keep thinking about having a salsa band and I'll never do it. I'm inherently lazy as one thing, which might not sound like it goes with the do everything now, but it does. What I do if I want to have a salsa band is I book a gig. I find a venue, talk to manager, whatever, and say, yes, put my salsa band. I'm like we've oh, got a salsa band and I go, I will have, I don't tell them that. <laughs> Once the gig's on and there's a deadline, there's a date and they start advertising it and people are coming. That then motivates me to write the music, get the band together and do it. And so um, I I do everything like that. And so I start like that. So the idea of, well, you're only 15, how are you going to be on the road when you're 16? And you go, assume you're going to be, what would you do next? And you do that rather than going, once I've done everything, I'll see if it takes me on the road. You go, no, I'm going on the road next year. People go, well, you're not even in a band that's going on the road. It doesn't matter. I'm going on the road. And then things start to fall into place and you start to do the things you would do. If you're going that. on the road next year, lo and behold, you end up on the road.
0: It's <laughs> advice. good advice for our listeners today too. <laughs> but were your parents a bit worried that you were going on the road so young? Did they come with you or?
1: No, no, definitely not. Um, and look, I started working nightclubs when I was 13. And so, you know, nightclubs to a, you know, mum and dad, a Methodist minister, and yeah. I that were, were, you know, not not such a great idea, if I put it that way, but they understood it was for music. It wasn't about I wanted to go out clubbing. I wanted to play music. Mm. And so they were they were amazing. They just sort of said, well, as long as it's for music, um, you, basically I could do whatever. Mum told me many years later that she also, they discussed it and they said, he's going to do it anyway. Our choice is not whether to let him do it or not, it's whether we're involved. Mm. It was really enlightened, I think, sort of view to take of it. And looking back... They were right i was just going to do it if i got an offer to go with a band and play and mum and dad said no i just would have snuck out the window and gone i know i would have so um yeah i was going to do it anyway so they knew that they said well it's better if we say yes and then we can be involved and say now make sure you do this make sure that you know and look after yourself so yeah so they, they were so very supportive <laughs>
0: And I, I do remember back when I interviewed your brother, John, back in 2014, that he actually said he started playing the trumpet before you. Is that correct? Like, let's hear your true. side of the story with things about now that. No, he was,
1: he was older. So he got to join. When I, we arrived in the city, I wasn't quite old enough to join the school band and, um, even being older, he could join right away. So he joined the band, started playing the cornet in the brass band. He went to the tuba also. So, uh, before he went to the drums, so uh, yeah, he played trumpet Friday. In fact, I wanted to join the band and couldn't, and he would bring his cornet home and put it under the bed, and he'd be out playing or doing something with friends. I would sneak into his room and get under the bed and take the cornet out, and I didn't come out because I thought he might come in, so I'd stay under the bed playing the cornet. So funny enough, here's me with the career I've got now and who I am. My first notes were played hiding under a bed <laughs>
0: well he he was saying that he taught you i don't know how true that is oh
1: listen we might we might be getting a bit no he did show me some stuff he did because i said how do you do this what's that button what do you do you know yeah he did he did
0: oh that's good bit of recognition for you today john Hey guys, it's RJ from Breaking Bad. It's Adam Sandler from Step Up. Bryce Johnson from Pretty Little Liars. It's Rob Mills. Todd McKenney with Lauren Yates on Rave It Up. These celebrities are sharing a message of hope and inspiring the younger generation in our new book, Knowing What I Know Now. This is filled with seventy quotes from your favorite celebrities on what they would tell their fourteen-year-old selves. A book filled with amazing advice to help you chase your dreams or help you deal with bullying or depression. It is available worldwide as a paperback, ebook, and audiobook version. Go to raveitup.tv.com to buy your copy now. Looking for the most comfortable and fashionable gym clothes around? Introducing Gym EXO. They're an eco-friendly brand from the UK. Gymwear made from recycled materials. Pick from some really cute gym sets, tops, bottoms, and there are even options for curvy women. Get 30% off today with free shipping by using our discount code RAVEITUP30 at checkout. Go to gymxo.co.uk today. That is gymexo.co.uk. So you studied at the Sydney Conservatory of Music. So I'm guessing it was always jazz and being in the music industry for you. But did you have any other careers in mind as well? Or, you know, what oh, you call a bit of the plan B?
1: <laughs> oh, no, no plan B. No Good. plan B. And just before How I talk you- about the careers, I absolutely, uh, I started teaching very early too. It's always been part of my DNA to pass on. And so I had students when I was 12, wow Um, like and i don't mean just like casually teaching some people i mean parents would bring their kids to me for lessons Hmm. and um, i think i got two dollars a lesson which was huge um but i I started teaching very early and i remember one day i would have been probably only 14 and um, his name was rory rory had bright orange hair and played the trombone and he might have been eight years old. So, you know, I was 14. I was much older. And his yeah. mum came at the end of the lesson one day and she said, now, Rory, um, um, I'm going to ask James. And I thought, oh, what's this about? And she said, Rory wants to be a trombonist, wants to be a musician. I said, great. And she said, but I've told him he needs to still keep studying in school hard because he needs a backup in case that doesn't work out and doesn't become a musician. What do you think, James? And I looked at Rory, and of course, this wrong answer. A parent's asking me that. I'm a 14-year-old. I'm supposed to support the parents. Say, yes, a good idea, Rory. Do your schoolwork, and we'll work hard together on the trombone. That's the answer I'd give today. As a 14-year-old, I said, I looked at Rory with his mum standing right there. said, well, what do you think? He said, oh, well, yeah. And he's looking at his mum. Says, said, yes, I should have a, a backup plan. I said, well, if you think you need a backup plan, you're going to need the backup plan, because only people who are completely dedicated to music make it his mother just looked at me horrified. He's, going, He's eight, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> but that's how I thought. I would never have a backup plan. The idea what if music doesn't work out means it already hasn't, like in your mind, like you're, you're giving up. Um, the only people that make it, and I still believe this, although I'd be a little bit more circumspect with how I'd talk to an eight-year-old now, but um, I still believe that it's whilst it's an amazing life and a joy and what a privilege and a blessing to spend your life, playing music for people and lifting their spirits, nonetheless, it's not easy to make a career. And only those who say, this is what I'm doing. There is no plan B. There's no backup. Because if I've got a backup, you will take it at some point.
0: Yeah, it spurs you You from that plan And
1: the ones that make it, the ones that say, the reason I don't have a backup is because I will not do anything else. This is what I'm going to do. That's enough determination to make it. Having said that, there were lots of other things I wanted to be, and I've been them. So I wanted to be a bus yeah. driver. I okay. always wanted to be a bus driver. I used to watch the, guy, the bus driver. His name was Curly. He told me his name was Curly. <laughs> um, and Curly drove the bus, the school bus, and I'd sit right behind him. He let me sit right behind him and watch him change the gears and drive. And I drive the bus when the band goes on tour. I got my bus license. Oh, and when awesome. I've taken big bands on the road, I drive. So I got to do that anyway as mm. well always wanted to be a pilot. My dad flies, my brother flies, my sister flies. So I got my pilot's license and I fly my band around. So I'm a pilot too. Um, always wanted to be a sailor. And I sailed uh, as a teenager and competitively and everything. And so I ended up getting a, a license for that too. And I, and I sailed and I've sailed all over the world and all sorts of things. So basically lots of other things I wanted to be, and I am. Just and a so rally I driver too. I, I wanted to drive trucks too and i did get a job for a while drive i want to drive big trucks and we're delivering bridge girders like we're talking big trucks you have to be 18 to get that license. As soon as i was 18 i got the license i got a job but they start at six in the morning oh you got to be there like at 5 30 to get the truck ready and get going and i was finishing playing at a nightclub called the paradise jazz cellar at four so i'd finished playing at four and i'd have to be at the truck at 5 30. i did it for about six months and i went actually, this is not working because I actually, I'm going to fall asleep driving the truck. So I gave that one up, but I still got to do it. Yeah. And I still have the truck license. And anytime anyone needs anything big moved, I'm your guy. <laughs> I love
0: that. And a rally driver too, I did read. wanted right? to be a
1: racing car driver, as you say, when you're a young boy. And But yeah, I fell in love with rallying and did that and ended up um, d- doing that, um, uh, you know, to, to, a, to a high level too and getting signed to drive for um, uh, a team and all sorts of things. I, I had an absolute ball. And um, I gave that one up because another great little anecdote, three times world champion, I better check that's correct. I know it's at least three, but like one of the greatest rally drivers of all time, Ari Vatanen. And anyone listening who knows their rallying will go, oh, he's one of the, it's like saying Charlie Parker in, or Dizzy Gillespie in music, you know, Ari is a friend and a mentor. And um, he came to me during a rally that we were both in and he said, um, do you have to do this? And I said, what do you mean he said the rallying and i said well yeah i'm signed to do i've got a car he said no no i don't mean this rally i mean do you have to be a rally driver i said well i love it i want to do it and he said but i mean like music you know you have to do that because it's what you are you wouldn't be you if you didn't play music do you have to rally drive and i said "Well, put like that no i guess not and he said then stop and i said why and he said because i've watched you drive for the last three days up close and he said there are only two outcomes possible I'm going, yes. And I'm thinking this guy's three times world champion. Like he's, you know, he said, the two possible outcomes are you're either going to win or you're going to die. And he was quite serious because people do die. It's a very dangerous sport. Yeah. And he said, but get this, it is, it is funny. I'm going somewhere funny. He said, you're either going to win or you're going to die. And he said, and you're not going to win because I'm here.
0: (laughs) That's a good (laughs) one. (laughs) But
1: what he meant was you're going to keep driving faster until you win and you're not going to win. So you're going to keep going faster until you crash. And, um, And so I thought, oh, okay. I said, thanks for the advice. I'm thinking about that. And this really happened later that day. I had a big crash. I was fine, but I had a big crash. And then later that same day, my wife called me and said, guess what? I'm pregnant. This was our first son. I'm going to be a father. And I just looked up and I said, okay, I can take a hint. I'll stop rally driving. (laughs) Like in one day I get told I'm going to die. Then I have a big crash. Then I find out I'm a father. Okay. So I gave up doing it seriously. I still love to drive and I do it for fun and, um, you know, and uh, I do lots of driving. But uh, I decided to sort of give up the uh, the, those aspirations because I thought I better take the hint.
0: Oh, I love that you always have so many side things like, you know, you're not just a musician. You already knew about the pilot because obviously talking to John and Carl Risley is obviously a pilot, too. Like, it's just it's all within you guys. But I also did read Inventor as well. Is that still, what have you invented? <laughs>
1: um, yes, they put that in there. When I say they who was writing the books. And, and it, look, it's true. Um, I, I've worked on a number of things. One of them is the digital trumpet. Um, and with a, an, a, a genius, I'm certainly not the genius in that one. It's um, a guy named Steve Marshall. Um, and he's a robotics expert and all this sort of thing. And he came to me after a gig one day and said, I've made this digital trumpet. And I said, you no made a what? He said, I'd like to get your opinion on it. And he's like an amateur trumpet player, but a professional, you know, robotics expert. And he showed me this thing and there were all sorts of things about it that I would change. And I said, well, that's not what he said. Yeah, I can't work out how to do that. But he said, do you want to work together on it? Do you want to create something? And so we did. And we ended up creating this digital trumpet and it ended up um, was being sold out of New York and people all over the world have got them now. The the MDT, the Morrison Digital Trumpet. This was back when that was kind of a hip thing to do, I guess, in the 90s, you know, and I've still got one. And um, it's, it's a cool thing, but um, yeah, that, that was, and there's been some other things along the way too, some gadgets and some things that I've, I've gotten involved in designing and, um, and, and, you know, coming up with ideas. And I just love that. I, um, I love using your imagination to say, what if, mm. and then, and then come up with something. And um, that was a lot of fun. You and,
0: um, you. oh
1: yeah. <laughs> and there, there are people in New York playing digital trumpets.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you could technically say you also invented your own school as well, your own Academy of Music in Mount Gambier. That's technically an invention as well. And I- Yeah,
1: okay. We're stretching it, but yeah, that's yeah, not. Yeah. It. Uh, that, take that it, will- take it, James. That came about, having a school came about simply because I've taught, as I've already said, all my life.
0: Mm. And
1: as I started touring more and more, I stopped having, you know, regular Thursday afternoon lesson for so-and-so and just would teach along the way, do master classes, they call them, you know, and visit schools and, and universities. And um, I would visiting universities, I would go, well, wow, that's a great idea. And then you'd see things you go, well, if I had a school, I wouldn't do that. I'd do it like this. And I ended up with this great long list as if I had a school, I'd do it like this. And finally, I thought, you know, what if you're ever going to do that, now's the time. So about seven years ago, um, I got together and my wife, Judy, and I, we created it. And it's a university, um, a bachelor degree. And um, we set it up to do things. And I got some fantastic faculty, people I knew were of like mind and wanted to sort of teach a different way. And um, we did that for seven years. We've closed that now in that form. And um, I've gone back now to the on the road thing and teaching where I am rather than having a building, because I found um, as amazing as it was to spend more time with students, not just sort of see them. And then, you know, for a few weeks or a few days or even a few hours um, that it running an institution is mostly about paperwork not about teaching music admin. And, and even the teaching you are then tied down to the one place and the one set of people. Mm. And um, as much as I loved it, as much as there have been some great outcomes from it, I thought, no, I think it suits me more to be out there moving around and teaching and passing on my, uh, and I think it more like that, of passing on uh, what I, you know, have to offer to whoever I'm with.
0: Mm. And just sponsor heaps of uh, music, you know, up and coming musicians and paying it forward to the younger generation, you know, the Mm -hmm. next people to fill your shoes, which I just love that. Just keep paying it forward. (laughs) In this day and age, we're surrounded by technology and electricity all the time, like our phones and laptops, phone and radio towers, Wi-Fi, electric power lines and the appliances in our home. Do you know that these could be damaging your health because of the electromagnetic radiation coming off them? When I found Effects though and bought their products, I immediately noticed a difference. I started sleeping better and was even calmer and not always high in adrenaline. Effects has over 20 years experience in developing products to neutralize the harmful effects of EMRs. I have six of their products myself now and I could not recommend them highly enough. These products last a lifetime too, so you only have to buy them once. Go check out their website, effectsaustralia.com.au. That is O-R-G-O-N-E effectsaustralia.com.au. And type in the coupon code RAVEITUP at checkout.
1: This show is brought to you by Vegas Knights, specializing in all of your party needs. They have photo booths, poker tables, and decorations for heaps of different party themes. Visit their website now at vegasnights.com.au or give them a call on 1300 135 394. Vegas Nights, you
0: can't lose the internet doesn't always feature true statements so i was hoping maybe you can clarify some things for us today about mm-hmm. some of the people that you have worked alongside some amazing artists so correct me for some reason on the internet said quincy jones and ray yes. charles bb yes. king whitney houston is that correct mm-hmm. all Sinatra, true. sting and ray brown and obviously in excess that we spoke about earlier yep. are all those true
1: they're all true um in some of them in different ways so for instance um go back to the beginning of the list Um,
0: Uh, Quincy Jones Charles. Quincy is is
1: is, I'm very you know um happy and humble to say he's a friend and I've played with him a number of times and we think the first thing I did I don't know if it's the first but I did his 75th birthday celebrations and um there's a video of that out there you can go on on YouTube if you put in Quincy Jones 75th birthday James Morrison you'll see me there with Quincy and playing and with some amazing people I did a thing with Chaka Khan and with um, uh, all those, and and, um, uh, his name's gone out of my head. Genesis, drummer, can you believe? Phil Collins um, was on that and all sorts of people. So uh, yes, that's true. And uh, Ray Charles, I toured with right around the world. B.B. King toured with right around the world. Um, Of course, in excess, we've mentioned recorded with them. And Whitney um, uh, Whitney Houston and Frank Sinatra was all on the one night. Wow! when they opened, um, so as I say, in different ways, some of these are people I've toured with and played with a lot. Uh, both of them, Frank Sinatra and Witcher Houston, we were on the same concert, and um, it was the uh, the opening of Sanctuary Cove. Would you believe they up in Queensland? They called it the ultimate event, and they weren't kidding. Um, I was there uh, with also with Ricky May and um, and Peter Allen. Was on the show too. Can you believe? On the one concert, Whitney Houston, wow. Frank Sinatra, and I've got to tell you, I'm backstage. And they said, um, they said, uh, Mr. Morrison, stand right here. Um, it's time for you to meet Mr. Sinatra. He'll be arriving in a minute. And I went, oh great, you know, wow. I'm standing there backstage, open air. You know, it's this big grass area behind this huge sound shell, and these four limousines pull in, and I thought, oh wow, it's like a president arriving, you know. And all these guys in suits, got big guys in suits, got out of the limousines. I thought, where's Frank? They were the limos for the bodyguards. What? <laughs> they formed a perimeter, and then the helicopter came in and landed, having flown straight over from Marlon Brando's boat. I mean, I'm dropping so many names here, so we'll pick them all up later. Yes, he's I know. staying on Marlon Brando's boat while he's in Australia. He flies over in the chopper from the boat, lands behind the stage, gets out of the helicopter, they're walking him over and they go, Mr. Sinatra, this is James Morrison, who'll be playing the you know, trumpet soloist and all that, and hello and all that. And he was, um, he was, you know, pleasant enough. We didn't stop and sort of have a coffee. Um, but it was amazing. What a legend, you know, and all the, you know, recordings I had of Frank Sinatra and just, just to be there for that and to meet him and, uh, and to see him up close, you know, doing yeah.
0: I love Frank Sinatra. I'm, oh, a, yeah. I'm a bit of an old soul. Like you'd be anything oh, yeah. Frank Sinatra. I'm like, oh, yeah. just goosebumps that voice. My yeah. goodness.
1: And of course, Whitney, her voice, she was amazing. You know, just yeah. incredible. Do you have so a yeah, favorite that, that you... was some night and Peter Allen. I've always been a fan, you know, what an amazing performer, um, he was so uh, yeah some concert
0: yeah do you actually have a favorite is that a little bit hard to pick that you've worked a little hard
1: with? different reasons yeah different yeah. range of people you know i mean an example on the tour with ray charles and bb king i mean talk about they were on the one tour on the same tour three months we were right around the world and you go well you needed both of them in the one concert yeah. <laughs> um, but so soulful such amazing performers amazing voices amazing instrumentalists And yet so different. They'll give you a good example, Ray Charles walks in for um, the first rehearsal. We're in New York for a three month tour right around the world. And he's got a guy behind him wheeling a trolley with a three draw filing cabinet on it, you know, like a metal tall filing cabinet on a trolley. That's all the music. So we can start rehearsing. And it's a big band. It's like a 20 piece band. And he can say, Hey, why don't we do this song? And the guy just goes to the filing cabinet, pulls out all the music and hands it out. So, Kind of over the top, organized, like I would have bought a you know, a case with the music, a filing cabinet, but that's Ray. Very organized. Everything's nailed down. He said, Here's how we're gonna do the songs, we'd rehearse them. He'd stop in the middle of a song, remembering he's blind, right? He's not reading the music, and he'd stop in the middle of a song and he'd say, trumpets, bar 53 fourth trumpet, that's an F sharp you go, really? Um, wow. uh, he was amazing. But he was that level of detail. He wasn't just out in the front singing the band. He, he, everything had to be just how he wanted it. and was amazing. Next, uh, two days later, BB arrives for his rehearsals. He walks in for a three-month tour with a big band. He's got his guitar, Lucille, as he called her, and nothing else. And he reaches into his pocket and he pulls that little piece of paper and says, I've written down a couple of ideas for tunes we might do. No music, And some tunes we might do, some ideas, like the opposite end of the spectrum. And yet they both on stage present as these unbelievable performers and very bluesy and kind of similar-ish in style, but such a different way of getting there.
0: Mm. And
1: so I loved what Ray did and how he did it. And I loved what BB did and how he did it, but for totally different reasons. So BB said to the band, you guys just play what you want behind me. We'll just play some blues. We'll have some fun. And that is awesome. But it was also awesome to play these incredible charts and get them just right the way Ray Charles wanted them. So, and you know, all of the people on the list are all different and for different reasons. I think what I loved getting back to a question you asked earlier about music, musical styles, what I loved is all of those people on that list did it because they were passionate about it, because they loved it, because it's who they were. No one was there clocking on, you know what I mean, and doing their job. And I think that's, um, that's what I love most
0: what amazing opportunities you've gotten over your career and worked really hard for it though too. It's good you can kind of learn from all these amazing legends. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And
1: and of course the jazz legends like Dizzy Gillespie, you mentioned Ray Brown there, we toured together for some years and made a number of albums together. Just incredible, you know, to to have that connection to jazz history, to these people that, you know, Ray Brown you know, played with Count Basie, with Dizzy Gillespie, with Oscar Peterson you know, so there's this connection to this part of jazz history um, that quite frankly is missing in the time I grew up living in Australia. Now I get students that at the drop of a hat, go over to New York, you know, to check someone out or to have some lessons, which is awesome. Mm. But back when I was coming up, you know, the idea that you might one day see one of them perform live was a dream, let alone meet them, let alone play with them. Mm. So I'm I'm really lucky I've ended up being able to play with most of my record collection.
0: Wow, I know you talk about a pinch me moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you've also been able to play and perform for incredible people like Queen Elizabeth, may she rest in peace, and for US presidents like Bush and Clinton. And then in 2016, you actually got to go to the White House and meet President Obama. When you have like that, those important people that you're performing for, and even, you know, in 2000, you got to do the Olympic Games. Do you ever still get nervous?
1: No. But I have to answer that question a certain way you said, still. So you assumed that once upon a time I did. I never did. So I don't still not get nervous or get nervous. I, I never did. Um, wow. Nerves don't come into it because, and I lecture on that. I, I help people with, with nerves um, and performance anxiety. And, and basically um, it's all to do with, with certain of the questions you're asking in your mind when you go to performance, how you get nervous about anything. But I never got nervous because instead of being nervous about it, I'm there to make music. This is a happy occasion. This is a joyous thing. It's not a test. You, if you construct the whole thing in your mind, remember everything's just constructed in your mind about, you know, what's actually going on as you're standing and you said important people, I'm I'm jumping around here. I'm trying to think how to start, where to start. Important people. Yes. There's no, I'm not silly. The president of the United States say playing at the white house for Barack Obama and and, and all sorts of, you know, dignitaries and people. Yeah. I, I understand they're important people in the affairs of the world. But what's really happening is a human being standing there with an instrument, and another bunch of human beings sitting there listening to it, and we're all hearing the music and being inspired by it. The fact that their job, when they're not doing that, might be president of the United States, or might be I drove a truck, you know, yesterday delivering goods. Like, because in the audience, I'm sure they're often truck drivers. Um, what difference does that make to what's actually going on, which is we're sharing music? None. And so I said, I'm not I'm not I'm not silly. I understand you're playing for the president. That's you know, do a good job. But I do the same job when I'm playing for the guy that, you know, delivered my groceries yesterday or picked up the rubbish. It doesn't make any difference. It's about the music, not about what job the people have you playing to. And so it's a great honor to be invited to play for presidents, queens, you know, and and absolutely and, know heads of state. Yes, of course. It's an acknowledgement that you, you know, are doing well in your field yes and you're representing a country and all those things i understand that but when it comes time to actually play that's when you would get nervous so i can sit and think about that and go wow what an honor isn't that incredible well i'm really lucky yes but when it's time to actually play there's people in front of me and i'm standing there and i'm a person too and and it's all about the music it's not about me it's not about them it's about us sharing the music and so i never get nervous never have don't get nervous because there's nothing to be nervous about I, i i the word i want to say is it's inappropriate if you know mm. what I mean, not that's wrong, but it's like, it's like saying, Oh, do you get nervous when you take a shower and you go, what? <sniffs> like that's an inappropriate question. Not because it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And so mm. do you get nervous when you're sharing music? The, the greatest thing, you know, with people and inspiration, you go, what? And I, again, I get people get nervous performing. I don't perform. I just, we just share music.
0: Share you know? music. I and love like, it. Yeah. That's
1: how that's how it feels to me. So yeah, it's, it, and um, to someone who is nervous performing, when I'm working with, with students particularly who are nervous and want to get over that, I have a whole process I take them through to, to get them to a place where the uppermost thing in their mind, in their body, in their whole you know being, when they go to play is, oh, we're about to make music.
0: Mm.
1: not i'm about to play for some people notice all the different words i'm doing something for them i'm playing it's about me them it's all you go oh that's all so separated and also you're going to get nervous i would get nervous if i had to play for the president of the united states that'd make me nervous Mm. but i don't i shared some music with some people
0: share music (laughs) i love it i I think that's an amazing way to finish off today (laughs) oh i wanted to know because you've already achieved so much in your career james what else can we expect from you in the future is there any live shows coming up that the audience can wait and look forward to i know we just missed out on your 60th birthday celebrations sorry about that not
1: to worry look i'm always touring there's always things coming up nothing specific because remember the way i work i wait till i get an idea and then we just go and do it so i don't know what's coming next and to me that's the most exciting answer i can give to that question Um, I know some people go, I've got all these plans and I'm fascinated and I admire them. But for me, the most exciting thing is just, I have no idea. Um, I am I'm as excited to see what happens as any of my, you know, fans are. So, uh, I'm excited
0: too. (laughs) And we are unfortunately getting to the end of the interview now, James, Mm -hmm. but as a closing statement, and what was probably the most important question here on Rave It Up, knowing what you know now, what would you tell your 14 year old self?
1: Oh, wow. Well, the first thing is don't be so hard on Rory and his mum. Um, but apart from that, um, uh, what would I tell my 14 year old self? You know what? I'd have no advice whatsoever. I would just say to my 14 year old self, oh boy, are you in for a ride? Have fun. I'll see you at the other end.
0: Yes. <laughs> You've got amazing opportunities coming yeah, up. I love yeah.
1: it. Just do what you do. Have fun. You're going to have a ball. That's what I would say.
0: Yeah. And if our audience want to contact you or find out what you're up to in the future, go buy tickets in the future. Where should we go? To follow you.
1: Uh, jamesmorrison.com is the easiest thing here to find out what's going on. And there's Facebook pages and Instagram things and all that going on too. Yeah. But that's a good starting point.
0: I'll make sure to put all the links below for everybody so they can go Thank follow you, you. and yep. I hope to finally come to one of your shows in the future. That's, be that's on my list.
1: <laughs> Fantastic.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the show today, James. I know you're such a busy man, so I really appreciate your time. Right before Christmas.
1: (laughs) Thank you.
0: Merry Christmas, and I hope to have you on again in the future. Maybe next year we can chat about something else.
1: That'd be great. There'll be some new things to talk about. Yeah, I look forward to it. You have a great Christmas too.
0: Keep in contact, all right? Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you want to be the first to get every new episode, remember to subscribe to this podcast for free. Just search for Rave It Up on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and share it with your friends